It's a bummer on a trip like this when things don't go as planned. There are unexpected problems, things change, money has to be spent for damage control. And sometimes it gets to the point where you just wanna stick your thumb in your mouth and start crying like a toddler. Well, this was one of those days for me, but I try my best to stay positive. And this is why. These moments are the moments we remember. Not when things went right, but when things went horribly, terribly wrong. Those are the stories we tell at dinner parties. Those are the stories that you tell people when they ask, so how was your trip? So my challenge to you, next time something bad happens to you on a trip, just try to embrace it. Treat it like a game. Even if it puts you over your budget or screws up your plans, remember that this will probably be your good story when you get back. I'm Giulio Gallarotti, and this is Pack Light Season 1, A COVID-Friendly Road Trip. I woke up freezing. Now, I kept it that way so that the air conditioner would stay on for noise consistency, but it didn't make me feel too great when I woke up. Of course, fueling my fears that I had COVID. It was one of those situations where the windows looked all wet, like the humidity versus the air conditioning. I woke up, showered, avoided the spider, killed the cockroach, and hightailed it out of there. My plan today was pretty ambitious. I would avoid the stops associated with any big cities, but I would still visit the Big Thicket National Preserve in Coons, Texas, the Waco Mammoth National Monument, the Chickasaw National Recreation Area in Oklahoma, and the Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park, formerly owned by, you guessed it, Joe Exotic, before spending the night in Oklahoma City. First stop, Big Thicket. The weather sucked, again, pouring rain. It was located about 40 minutes north of the hotel in Beaumont. Big Thicket was a beautiful forest, but it truly looked so similar to all the terrain I had been covering the last 24 hours that I felt more of a need to keep it moving. I drove around for about 20 minutes, snapped a couple pics. I was thinking about maybe going down a couple trails, but it was raining pretty hard. The forest was definitely dense and beautiful like many of the national forests that I had driven through and worth checking out if you're nearby. From there, I would head to the Waco Mammoth National Monument, which was a solid four hours away. It worked out well that I didn't have to do the podcast because there's no way I'd be able to cover all this ground if I got a late start. About 40 minutes later, I was finally on dry ground and it felt incredible. After having driven through flooded, soaked land for a couple days, greener pastures literally. I was feeling hungry a little earlier than usual, so I stopped at TX Burger in Centerville around 11 a.m. before getting on the highway. Apparently all their burgers are made with 100% Nolan Ryan beef, (laughs) which obviously made me laugh. Nolan Ryan, for those of you who don't know, was a Hall of Fame pitcher who played many years for the Texas Rangers, among other teams. 100% of Nolan Ryan's beef. There's plenty to go around. (laughs) It's like a memorable title of an old school porno. You know, Deep Throat, Debbie Does Dallas, Nolan Ryan's beef. Household names. 
I pretty much never eat burgers, but thought that if I was driving through all this beef country, I had to. I've been driving by pasture after pasture of grazing cattle, so it was another one in Rome situation. My initial plan was to eat Subway. For the record, I don't like Subway at all, but it seemed like the hard quotes, healthiest, cheapest, and fastest available option. There was a Subway in the same building as TX Burger. And while I waited for the Subway employee to come out, I decided I would just get a burger. And I'm glad I did, it was really good. I ordered the avocado Swiss burger, which is something I would order if I was high normally. I would literally never order this. Avocado, Swiss cheese, ranch dressing, BBQ sauce, lettuce and tomato. It was really good. As I got closer to Waco, I started to drive through little towns with cowboys walking around, cowboy hats and the like, made for a very authentic experience. I was enjoying romanticizing about the local folk until I arrived in Mart, Texas. The nasty clouds had rolled in and it was raining again. I pulled onto the main strip of this tiny town and I passed by a cop in a pickup truck. Not out of the ordinary. I was going a little quicker than I should have been, but he was facing the other way. There were other cars going the same speed and he didn't pull out after me. Unfortunately, the cop on the next block did pull out after me. Classic speed trap in a small town. RJ yet again with the prediction. I wanted to text him to tell him to stop predicting what was going to happen to me. <laughs> it was getting out of control at this point. But it was one of those situations where the speed limit quickly goes down from 50-ish to 30. You can easily maintain your old speed and it's not super clearly marked. I looked online later and I saw Mart on a list of places with notorious speed traps. Getting pulled over never feels good, no matter what. I was nervous as the cop walked towards the car, especially with everything that had been going on in the news, with protests about the police, and dealing with a cop was always initially stressful anyway. What if he made me get out of the car and accused me of a crime I didn't commit? I know that sounds silly listening to this, but think about how you felt the last time you got pulled over. Large groups of our population live in fear of this moment every day. Fortunately for me, this cop was extremely nice. I handed in my license and registration. Sir, you were speeding? You were going 52 and a 30? Is there any reason why you were going so fast? No, officer, I'm sorry. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and roll your window up so your car don't get messed up, Mr. Uh, you're gonna have to help me pronounce that. Uh, it's, it's Giulio Gallerati. Okay, Mr. Um, Giulio, I'm going to give you a citation today. As I sat there waiting for him to come back, I thought about how hard it was to complete a cross-country journey without getting a ticket. There's certainly a tendency to drive a little faster to, quote, make good time. It reminded me of the last road trip I had been on. I already had a shitty run-in with the law that I'll talk about in a later episode of this podcast. But I was driving through Ohio, and we had one of those radar detectors that had been working really well the entire trip, but not this time. I got pulled over by a very nice cop again. My buddy Eddie was with me, who's like 10 years younger than me. At the time, he must have been like 19 and maybe a little naive about how things work. He tried to charm the cop. He goes, hey buddy, you ever see the show True Detective? The cop replied, no, no, can't say I have. And then Eddie goes, well, uh, you remind me of one of the characters. The cop goes, oh yeah? Eddie then said, 
I really like your hat. It looks good on you. The cop goes, thanks. And walked back to his car to do his thing. Eddie looked at me and made this expression like, see what I did there? Thinking he had been very slick. The cop came back and handed us a ticket immediately. (laughs) Respect the effort, Eddie, but better luck next time. Back in Mark, Texas, I could see the blue and red lights flashing in the rearview mirror as the cop came back up to my window. He walked back from his car, handed me a ticket for $400, and said very nicely, Be careful out there, especially with this weather. Thanks, officer. Now, I'm typically very adamant about fighting any sort of situation where I owe money that I don't feel is justified. If I have issues with an airline or a hotel or the credit card company, I'm willing to spend the time to get things corrected for myself. So you'd think, in this position, I would fight the ticket. But this was a really small, isolated town, kind of in the middle of nowhere. And honestly, it looked like it was falling apart, sort of. I can't imagine there was a ton of opportunity for this town to make money. I understood why they might set up a speed trap to clip out-of-towners who were unlikely to fight it. It was okay. The cop was also incredibly nice. So I just thought, you know what? I was wrong. I'm going to pay it. Now, I was talking to my dad a few days later. I tried my best to avoid disclosing the amount because I knew he would flip out, even though I was the one paying. When I told him $400, he went nuts. I tried to defend the town, and my dad goes, Julio, Julio, I don't care. That doesn't give them the right to rob people. Taking advantage of people is never okay. You should write a letter to the DA. I did not write a letter to the DA, but he did sort of get me going. So I paid a lawyer 100 bucks to fight it. Still waiting to see what happens there, so keep you posted. My trip had really been challenging the last couple days. Back-to-back nights with mediocre sleep, crazy rain, cockroaches, tickets. I was starting to lose a little steam. 30 minutes later, I arrived at the Waco Mammoth National Monument. Back in the 70s, two guys were walking around the area looking for fossils. Apparently, it was a good spot to find them. And they ended up finding these huge tusks that they would eventually find out belonged to a woolly mammoth, which is kind of a funny story. If I had more time, it would be fun to do some kind of archeological dig. According to my brother, some of the best fossil hunting was in the US. My brother Alessio knows a lot of random facts. (laughs) All in all, this site contains the remains of 24 Columbia mammoths and a bunch of other mammals from the time period. The only problem was, you guessed it, it was closed. This was the most impactful closure since the bones could only be seen inside the museum. The grounds were open, including some hikes, and they had some of the replicas of the fossils in a little outdoor tent. Bummer. At this moment, I decided to really lean into doing my due diligence on sites from here on out. Because on Google, and correctly, it said that the site was open. But it didn't specify that just the grounds were open and not the building housing the giant mammoth fossils. I would dig more into the specifics, no pun intended, of each site's information to avoid another situation like this. Just like the fossil hunters before me, I was also pretty bummed out by the ticket and the COVID. Time to get the hell out of Texas and leave the horse behind. I was supposed to perform at South by Southwest that March, which was the first big thing in America canceled due to COVID that I can remember. I was happy that I had finally made it to Texas, but I hoped that in the future I might get to do this trip the right way. 
The day had been a bit of a bummer, but a glimmer of hope appeared as I got near Fort Worth and helped turn my day around. I saw a Starbucks. This is the first Starbucks I had seen on the trip. I had driven close to a thousand miles by now and I had not seen one single Starbucks. And that speaks volumes to the off the beaten pathedness, so to speak, of the route that I had chosen. It felt so nice to be back around familiar stuff. I stopped and got a venti iced coffee and egg bites. And as my luck would have it, they accidentally prepared two egg bites and gave me the second one for free. My luck was finally turning around. I had not yet drank a single coffee on this trip, and I had decent reasons. Coffee famously speeds up your digestion, and with COVID and less access to public restrooms, I didn't need expedited digestion complicating things, we can leave it at that. But I would take my chances today. It was another four hours to the Chickasaw National Recreation Area from Waco, and I'm pretty sure today would be close to, if not my longest drive, upwards of 600 miles total, and by far my biggest driving total in one day so far. The days of the 200-mile drives were sadly over. I started to realize that since I was making up so much time, I might actually be able to make it to Chicago for the 4th of July with Hillary. I had originally planned to, quote, be lazy, David Shane in the back of my head, so I was thinking July 7th, maybe even adding an extra night. But I didn't realize how appealing the option of coming back earlier would be until I spent 72 hours without anyone. I started to hone in on the 4th. It would require some restructuring of the plan. Not to mention the prospect of saving a few hundred dollars was appealing too. This trip was getting expensive quickly. So July 4th was the goal and I had a lot of ground to cover, but I hoped that once I got to Chickasaw, it would be smooth sailing to OKC as it was only another 80 or so miles away. On the drive from Fort Worth to Chickasaw, I got a very funny phone call from a friend who was in a tough position. This friend who can remain anonymous is one of my absolute best friends in the world. And he's been single for a bit, sort of finding himself and, you know, doing him, as they say. And he had just met a girl who he was vibing with and he was super psyched about. Throughout the trip, he had been calling me to give me updates about her. I had received two prior updates about the first two times they had hung out in consecutive days. So this all unfolded in three days. Day one, he called me so excited, I could hear it in his voice. He had met this girl on the beach. She was a friend of a friend. He got her number, she came over. We chatted for hours, sipping rosé, having a blast together. Day two, he went to her house, which was just a couple miles away, where she was hanging with her family for quarantine to get out of New York, same as him. Part of what made this so exciting was that they were similar people, similar backgrounds, similar age, staying with their parents during this odd time. A couple miles away from each other, it just sounds like the perfect quarantine romance, right? Anyway, he went over her house on day two, and he played tennis with her dad and brothers, and he's a very good tennis player. They hung out again for hours, and then upon his departure, they shared a nice kiss in the parking lot. How sweet. I was so excited for him, this sounded great. Now, day three is where things take a turn. <laughs> now, my buddy has been waking up really early the last few months, you know, working out, getting healthy and all that. So this wasn't an unusual morning for him. He wakes up around six, goes out to get an iced coffee from the nearby spot, and on the way back from getting the coffee, for a reason that he can't give to this day, he decided to drive down her street. Now, her street is a dead end. And as he drives down her street and by her house at 6.30 a.m., he sees her dad walking the dog. 
They lock eyes, and he keeps driving down the road, which I will reiterate is a dead end. He then has to turn around at some point and drive back past her father. He did not stop to say hi, and I wonder if he tried to cover his face as he drove by. He literally may have done that. He didn't help himself by sending her a 100-word text explaining that he was going down the street to check out a house that had been listed and was on the market on her street, a story which checked out, but it was too late. I'm sure she was thinking the same way that you're thinking. Wouldn't he have texted her if he was driving on her street, even if it was early in the morning? He was freaking out about it, saying things like, I may have seen your dad, but I wasn't sure. And, you know, in my friend's defense, he's sort of blind, so it's not unbelievable that he could have seen him and not been sure if it was him if he wasn't wearing glasses. But she doesn't know him well enough to know that. So unfortunately, there is no real reason for him to be driving down that street. Her dad was obviously creeped out, which she told my friend, and then he kept talking about it to her all day, including sending her a picture of his family after he had told them, in horror about what happened. I was really worried that it would be tough for him to bounce back from this, but at the time, I reassured him that it would be okay, and he had nothing to worry about. But unfortunately, it started taking her longer and longer to reply to each text. A week or so later, he ran into her on the beach with her mom after having texted her earlier in the day. He was alone. It was definitely kind of awkward. His sister brilliantly asked, did she post that she was on the beach on her story? Because if she had posted that she was on the beach on her Instagram story, it might look like he was planning the run-in, something that, given his dubious past with her, was not a crazy thing to think. He frantically checked, and fortunately, she had not storied her whereabouts. He was still hanging on by a thread. We never really figured out if that impacted their future or not, but I don't think they ever hung out again. You hate to see it. a bridge and the water that ran beneath it was the reddest water I had ever seen. It looked like a river of wet clay. I didn't know that I'd see many more just like it, but once I crossed that bridge, I was officially in Oklahoma. I had now visited 46 out of the 50 states in the Union, and I was pretty psyched. At this point, my playlist choices had shifted from modern hip-hop to listening to some of the stuff that I had grown up on, some Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang Forever is maybe my favorite album of all time. It's extremely good. One of my favorite songs is called Cash Still Rules, and then there's a backslash, and it says Scary Hours. And there's one verse that I really love. It's a Ghostface verse. After Method Man kind of does this whole hook thing, Ghostface comes in, he goes, Hey, yo, strong arm, that kid right there with wavy hair. Billy Johnson snatched the matters whip in Times Square. And I was blasting that song, really enjoying the good weather, really enjoying being on the open road. This was just one of those high moments you get when you're doing a road trip where you just feel good and you're feeling it. Next stop was the Chickasaw National Recreation Area. I started to get a little tired. The tough days of driving, couple bad nights sleep, ticket, fear of COVID, Waco Mammoth being closed were all taking their toll for sure. Soon after crossing the border, I saw this hilarious casino. It was like all of the hokey casinos from Vegas, like the Venetian, Luxor, New York, New York, and Excalibur, but all combined and jammed together in the same building. Sort of resembled like a mall. It was basically if you turn the Vegas Strip into a shopping mall. How odd. It was called the Windstar Casino in Thackerville. Check it out if you're in the area. Or don't, but it was pretty funny looking. 
I look back on the trip now and I realize that it was very peculiar what I was doing. First and foremost, and most obviously, I was alone, which doesn't seem particularly desirable to most people. But even for the people who think it is desirable, it was definitely a luxury to stay at a different hotel every night with three bags of toiletries, unpacking and repacking them every day. I'd figure that most people, even if they were alone, would stay in a destination more than a night. Or people who did the solo trip would do it in an RV or go camping or something. And then, of course, there are those people who, like, ride a bike around the world and camp on the side of the road and forage for their food. I I wasn't interested in any of that. I was staying in, for the most part, decent hotels in not that poppin' areas. Partly by design, because of the pandemic, but also to make it cheaper. Smaller cities just cost less but mostly because the destinations in the day were the trip. There was no nightlife to be enjoyed. The better the nightlife, the bigger the risk. The land had started to open up and flatten out. It was beautiful. All the colors you'd expect to see on a nice day. It was much drier, with green grass and trees, yellow butterweed, and what I presumed to be wheat as well, cows grazing and bright blue skies. It was so, so nice to have some decent weather. After getting off the highway and on the side roads that would take me to Chickasaw, the terrain became much more interesting. Some hilly two-way roads, steep enough that from the bottom, you looked as if you were driving up into the clouds. I lifted my arms on the way down, roller coaster style. Laughed at myself for being corny, but I used to do this as a kid. You know, same thing I do on a roller coaster to make it more exciting. Though, on a roller coaster, I was usually too afraid to take my hands off for real. I used to tell my brother when we were kids that when we were crossing a bridge, if he closed his eyes, we would actually ride up the arches of the bridge and then down it like a roller coaster. It, of course, only worked if he closed his eyes. Not sure if he ever believed me, but we were pretty young. I had crossed over into the part of the trip where nature, more than culture, would become the most interesting piece on a daily basis. I assumed. I also expected the next couple days not to be particularly exciting, but it was fun to be in a new state regardless. Finally, I was arriving to the Chickasaw National Recreation Area in Sulphur, Oklahoma. I mentioned this earlier, but visiting national recreation areas can be tricky because they're usually on giant pieces of land, oftentimes with no clear attraction. Just going to the visitor center area doesn't necessarily do the trick. So it's important to try to figure out in advance where the best spots to hang out are, especially if you don't have any service, which happened here. What I try to do is Google top things to do. And like in this case, if nothing interesting pops up, look for water and put whatever address in that you can find that will get you there. I've since learned that you can actually download the map in Google. So even if you don't have service, you can see where you are. So I'm definitely going to use that trick moving forward. But anyway, what I did here is I put in a pin right next to where the water would be while I still had service, and it worked out perfectly. Right as I was arriving to the water, the oil light popped on. Great. I mentioned in an earlier episode that the low mileage of this car would actually work against me. And it wasn't actually low mileage per se, but the fact that the car was around 6,800 miles total when I picked it up, because cars are recommended to get oil changes around every 10,000 miles. I didn't know this at the time. And I thought that maybe it would be one of those things that when I turned the car off and on, the light would go away. Regardless, it was time to enjoy the park. 
and today had been complicated enough. No more stress for the moment. I arrived to the Lake of the Arbuckles, and it was awesome. I hadn't been to a summer lake situation in a while. Not a small one, at least. I mean, this lake was by no means small, but it wasn't Lake Michigan either. It was clearly a lake. With the Great Lakes, I feel like, with no context, you'd have no idea that you weren't on the Aegean Sea or something. This lake was dope, and there were a bunch of people congregated. I saw some fancy cars, and in the distance I could see beautiful lake houses on cliffs and hills overlooking the water. I was wondering if perhaps this was like the Hamptons of Oklahoma or something. Hillary always tells me that I need to talk to the camera more and engage with my social media followers. So I took the opportunity to try to do that. You know, a sincere smile paired with a panoramic view of the beautiful lake. I took my shirt off again, though I wasn't planning on going in the water. Hillary found that hilarious when I FaceTimed her. Just something jarring about a random FaceTime call from a shirtless person, even when it's your boyfriend. I made sure to dip my head in the water. One thing that I regret on this trip is forgetting to bring a beach towel. It would have been really nice to take a dunk here and on my first day in either Alabama or Mississippi, but whatever. I soaked in the sun for a little while at least. I noticed one beautiful, small, but perfectly manicured tree flopping in the breeze right next to the rim of the water. It looked like it was doing a Zumba class. <laughs> it was the only tree around too, at least for 200 feet in either direction. It reminded me of one of those people who's dancing violently alone in the street, but they're so good or so charismatic that you don't even care that they're potentially disrupting your day or your thoughts or even what you're listening to in your headphones. The lake reminded me of something I had seen in Switzerland near Zurich. I'm pretty sure it's called Lake Zurich, but it's big enough that you can drive along it, big enough that driving along it could take 45 minutes, but small enough to see and digest the banks on all sides. Also, the surrounding altitude wasn't too high. It wasn't like a Lake Como situation or something like that, which is beautiful as well, obviously. But the surrounding nature was closer to the earth. It was the biggest quaint lake I had ever seen. There were a couple other places of interest. I drove down this long road where there was camping going on, to the point that it seemed like these people just lived here full time. Just a giant camping community with all these signs. You could probably live here year-round if you didn't need to work or have kids. Didn't really seem like my thing, but respect. I looked it up, and as I suspected, the Chickasaw were an American Indian tribe, originally from the southeast areas of Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. In 1832, they migrated to Oklahoma after being forced to sell their land to the U.S. government. I've always been fascinated by Native Americans. I spent a weekend once working on a chili farm in New Mexico. One of my comedian friends hilariously said to me, that's some white people shit to do to get some culture. I always thought that was funny and like sort of true, I guess. I spent a long weekend working with a bunch of native people. Now I'm not gonna jump to any conclusions, but the people that I met were lovely and oddly adjusted to the heat too. It was 9 a.m. and one of the guys was standing in front of one of the chili roasters with a jacket on and his hands out the way you hold your hands over a fire in the winter. I asked him what he was doing and he goes, Oh, great to put your hands over the roasters on a cold morning. <laughs> it was 80 degrees. But in my past travels in northern states from here, I'd also noticed that I saw more natives out west and in the northwest than I realized I would. 
I always find it fun to see new types of people and try to get a sense of what their deal is. As I drove away, I noticed there were some bison viewing areas. I stopped for a few minutes, but no dice. Hopefully I'd see some in Yellowstone in a few days. I had to call the car rental company to figure out what the hell was going on, since the oil light was still on, unfortunately. But first, Joe Exotic. I was going to visit the Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park. Now, not to be a bummer, but I went to a similar type of private zoo when I was in Florida the previous month, called Lion Country Safari. And while it was cool to see all the animals, it was kind of dark how they were just running around these shitty fields that looked like abandoned high school soccer fields that were no longer being tended to. It didn't seem like the best place to be an animal. Ricky, who I was with, when we drove by the monkeys, he just goes, dude, those monkeys look like they want to kill themselves. It was true, it was a sad sight. Anyway, I still wanted to pull up on it, since it was on the way to OKC. I figured I would snap a pic for the gram on the outside at least. About 10 minutes away from there, I noticed a sign for Pappy's Catfish Buffet. Pretty funny name. If I hadn't eaten catfish a couple days earlier, I definitely would have stopped in to hit the buffet. I finally arrived to Joe Exotic's former spot. I think I heard Carol Baskin owned it now. Whatever, I no longer cared about Tiger King, nor did I really ever, but I was curious to see what was up. When I got there, I noticed that the zoo was in a semi-nice area, right off the highway and not far from Chickasaw, which seemed like it had very fancy parts. The zoo didn't look like how I expected it to. Maybe they've done some renovations since the show came out, but it looked pretty well-maintained and not like the crazy dump they made it out to be on the show. It was nicer than I expected is all. However, somewhat on brand and likely unintentionally, I thought it was pretty funny to have a sign that said Exotic Animal Park written in bright green with a tiger beneath it on a normal ass fence that might accompany any suburban home. I got there around seven after leaving Chickasaw about 45 minutes earlier. On the way there, I noticed a giant American flag being held up by a crane. I had never seen that before, but naturally, which is how this always works, I ended up seeing a few more after seeing that initial one. A crazy phenomenon that no one has ever been able to explain. How you hear of something or see it for the first time, and then you start noticing it everywhere. Was it there in plain sight the whole time, or is it just a coincidence? Oh, also there were ostriches running around on the lawn. Behind a fence, of course, but just still kind of random and funny. Just ostriches running around. (laughs) Anyway, 65 miles to Oklahoma City, just enough time to call roadside assistance. I actually didn't know that I would have to call roadside assistance for this, but they eventually transferred me there. I literally waited 45 minutes before finally getting transferred to the roadside assistance guy. He asked his first question very frantically. Sir, are you okay? Are you safe right now? And I was like, yeah, but if I wasn't, I'd be dead. (laughs) Like, how are you going to take that long to answer? I had Googled oil changes, and it said that cars usually need them around 10,000 miles, like I said before, which I was approaching. The guy mentioned that I could turn my car in and get a new one, but I loved my girl. She had been good to me, and I wanted to finish this trip with her. I know that sounds corny, but this was my companion. So I asked, can I just get an oil change myself? And they said, yeah, we have partners, and that they would pay for it. I chose Firestone. I would go in first thing tomorrow. The guy told me that it was first come, first serve. Problem nearly solved. 
I still had a little anxiety about my early morning chore, but I wasn't going to let it ruin the moment. I had always wanted to visit Oklahoma City. It just seemed like a random city. I didn't really understand the idea of it. The Oklahoma City bombing is one of the first real bad things that I can remember from my childhood. I don't know if that's why I was so interested in OKC, but I had a feeling that I was gonna like it. I had just met someone from there for the first time, Allie, Hillary's friend, and a great gal. I hit her up for some recommendations. I was staying at the Skirvin Hilton. Now, I love when I see another name in a corporate hotel's name. Like, for example, the name Skirvin Hotel tells me that it was once an independent hotel before Hilton bought it. Those hotels usually have more swag, in my opinion. This hotel was a good price, and it was dope. High ceilings, old-school, ornate New York feel. Like I was back in 1925 or something. I learned that it had been there since 1911 and was a historical landmark. I wasn't sure if OKC was just cheap or if it was COVID pricing, but the hotel was like 100 bucks for the night. The staff were super nice and explained to me that I could easily find parking on the street and that the city is very safe. Two great things to hear. I parked out front and dropped my shit off. Tonight, I was gonna eat at the hotel bar. It had apparently just reopened and Texas was starting to get hit hard by COVID. So these neighboring states were being super cautious. For some reason, I didn't expect that. Since this was supposedly a very red state and COVID had recently become very politicized. I mean, Trump had just hosted a rally here a week before in Tulsa where no one was wearing masks. So I was not expecting the bar and hotel to have all these active COVID precautions. This was the first place that I had ever seen glass dividers on the bar. Since I've obviously seen it pretty much everywhere, but at the time I hadn't seen it yet. They also had the touchless menu where you can scan the barcode with your camera, which is so brilliant by the way. And again, this was the first time that I had seen this. Obviously subsequently every single place has that, but at the time I was kind of blown away by it. The bar was seated socially distanced, every other seat, hand sanitizer on the bar, employees wearing masks and gloves. It was the first big operation like that that I had seen. The bar also had high ceilings and you could see it through the window if you walked by. I got the grilled chicken sandwich and a tequila soda, two tequila sodas. First drink of the trip, felt like I earned it. This couple started chatting me up. They were sitting on the side of the bar a few seats away with no one filling the seats in between us. They must've been mid forties, maybe 50. The guy saw my Astro World hat and asked if I had been there. I said no. And he eventually got it out of me that it had to do with this rapper. And his wife said, oh, I know him. And she said, she's dating that, uh, what's her name? And I was like, Kylie Jenner, so on and so forth, that kind of convo. But I got it out of them that they had left Houston for the weekend because COVID was so bad. It sucks. The bartender was not the friendliest at first, but I tried to be patient with her. I overheard that some of the customers were being kind of rude to her as she talked to the other bartender. I asked her how it was going and got her to open up a bit about how it was stressful to be back at work and all these crazy guidelines, how they had just opened back up earlier this week and how she's been doing this 20 years and is sick of it. I can only imagine. It felt good that I had broken through to her. I made sure to give her a good tip and she was super attentive to me for the rest of the night. 
The hotel was fairly crowded, which was making me a little uncomfortable. Some people wearing masks, but not everyone. I was wondering if this was all people from Texas getting out of town, but it was packed in a way a hotel would be for a wedding weekend. After dinner, I decided to go check out the memorial of the bombing. Love a good memorial, and especially an outdoor one, because in my opinion, they tend to be way cooler at night with the lighting and all that. I remember feeling exactly that way about the FDR memorial in DC. Way sicker at night. Same deal with this memorial. It's comprised of two magnificent arches, with nuanced lighting that intensifies as you travel up to the apex of each arch with your eye. The arches are perfectly symmetrical with each other and mirror each other. In between them lies an infinity pool situation that must have been 200 yards. There are little lamps along the sides on the ground, with gardens and viewing areas. The arch has one time, 901, which is when the bomb went off, and 903 symbolizes the first moment of the aftermath along with hope for the future. I've always been surprised that they've never made a movie about the OKC bombers and what happened. And if they have, I'll check it out. And by movie, I mean actors playing everyone, not a documentary. I know there are docs, I've seen them. There was barely anyone there. It felt eerie, but powerful, of course. I snapped a bunch of pics along with some failed panoramas. It's so hard to keep the camera on the line as you walk around in a circle for the pano shot. Classic situation of trying to capture the moment better than the professional photographers whose pictures you can easily Google. I thought about hitting the town and taking up some of Ali's recommendations, but as I circled the block, I realized that I was exhausted and I should just go to bed. Besides, I had to be up early to deal with the car. Sleeping in would really throw me off my schedule. By this point, I was certain that I would try to be home for July 4th to see my boo. It was June 26th. I should have time. On the next episode of Pack Light, I suffer a pretty big setback trying to fix my car. I cruise around Oklahoma City and spend the night in a pretty gnarly hotel in the middle of Kansas. Check out my YouTube channel for the entire episode along with the soothing visual accompaniment. And check out the Instagram, Pack Light Picks, for some videos and pictures and stuff from the episode and for a checklist of all the stops that I made if you want to do a similar trip yourself. There's a link to my playlist in the episode description as well. Message me on my Instagram, at NotJulio, N-O-T-J-U-L-I-O. And let me know your thoughts and suggestions or just anything you want to tell me. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.